We turn this morning to Luke 15, beginning at verse 11 and reading through verse 32. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. There he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us rejoice, or let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because... He has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry. He was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to him, Look, for so many years I've been serving you. I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word that you have given us today in this parable of Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open our hearts and minds to your truth. Thank you, Lord, that your word is everlasting truth. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This parable is usually given the title of what? The parable of the prodigal son. I think there could be a better title given to this parable because... This father didn't have one son. This father had two sons. And so there are three main characters in this parable. The father, 
the younger son and the older son, and we really need to take a look at all three of them. That's what we're going to do this morning. Let's first of all look at the younger son, and we would describe this as the shameful rebellion of the younger son. There really should be no doubt in anyone's mind that the younger son in this parable was shamefully rebellious. And this is seen right from the beginning in how he asked his father for a share of the estate, mind you, before his father had died. Verse 12, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Now, if you were one of the scribes and Pharisees that were listening to this, we know they were there. We go back to chapter 15, verse 1. They were gathered there. If they heard and were listening to this parable, they would have been shocked. Absolutely shocked. One author says, For a son to say such a thing to his father in that culture was like saying that he wished that his father was dead. He wished that his father was dead because he was not entitled to his share of the inheritance while his father was still alive. And since his father retained control and oversight of the estate as long as he was alive, then dad stood in the way. We need to get dad out of the way or just maybe get the estate now because I want it. And so this son didn't really love his father. He loved the things that his father could give him. And he worded his request really like a demand, didn't he? Father, give me. Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. I would assume that this father had worked hard for that which he owned. But when his son was given his inheritance, he showed no appreciation whatsoever for his father's hard work. The money was his now, and he was going to use it as he wanted. And so verse 13 says, And not many days later the son gathered everything together, and he went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. You get the impression that this son couldn't wait to get out of the house. Couldn't wait to leave. Couldn't wait to go far enough away from home where nobody knew him. He wanted to sin beyond the range of all accountability. Away from dad, away from his friends, away from the people of the town. Just get as far away as he can. No one knows him there. He can live the way he wants and no one's going to tell him what to do. I would call that a rebellious heart, wouldn't you? Get me out of here. I want to live the way I want to live, and I'm going to spend my money the way I want to spend my money. So off he goes to live a life of pleasure. And for a while, for a while, he was having the time of his life. He had a wad of money in his pocket. And that enabled him to buy just about whatever he wanted. You know, the Bible says the pleasures of sin last only for a season. You'll find pleasure in sin, but it's not lasting pleasure. It lasts only for a short time. And sooner or later, 
you will experience in a very painful way the consequences of your sin. Look at verse 14. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed pigs, feed swine. For a Jew, that was a no-no. You don't have anything to do with that which is unclean, but here he is feeding the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating And notice, and no one was giving anything to him. Isn't that interesting? When he had a wad of money in his pocket, I bet you he had all kinds of friends, right? (laughs) Friends. You got money? People want to be around you. Everybody wants to be a friend of those who have money. But when the money was gone, where were the friends? Where were they they when he really needed them? They were gone. If the money's gone, they're gone, and he was so hungry that he would have gladly eaten with the pigs what they were eating. Now, I can assure you that what the scribes and Pharisees were thinking of this young man's rebellion was that he got what he deserved. He got what he deserved. But something happened in the heart of this younger son. He began to realize how foolish he had been. How rebellious he had been in treating his father with such disrespect. And verse 17 says, when he came to his senses. That's a significant part of this story, isn't it? He finally came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here from hunger. I will get up. And I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Having wasted everything he had, there was nothing that he could offer his father but a heart that was broken over sin. And that's a picture of how we ought to come to Jesus today, a heart broken over sin. We have nothing to offer Him. We have no righteousness of our own. We have nothing whereby we can say, Oh God, You ought to accept me because look at me. We've got nothing to offer. But this young man realized he needed to go home. He had no other hope go home. Now what was going to happen if he went home? The best that this rebellious son thought he could ask for is to be one of the hired men. He said, I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. If only I could just be one of your hired men. But notice what happened. Verse 20, so he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. 
And he and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, get the best robe out. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. The father must have been waiting every day for that son to come home. He must have often gazed across the field looking for a figure, looking for his son to come home. That's clear in verse 20 because it says, While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Can't you just picture that, Dad? Maybe sitting on the back porch and praying for that son that had been rebellious and, and looking in the horizon wondering, well, will today be the day that he comes home? My son, my rebellious son. And not only did he see him, but when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. And he ran to him. He embraced him. And he kissed him. What a scene that must have been. This son that wanted his father dead, now this father hugs him and kisses him and and welcomes him home. I don't imagine he smelled very good working with feeding pigs. I remember a time when we were driving from Mankato to St. James when I served there back in the 80s. And um, there were many pig farmers in that area. And I don't know if you've ever smelled what a pig farm can smell like when the wind is blowing the wrong direction. It was. Woo, it was bad. It was so bad that some of our kids were crying. They were literally crying. It was so bad. And of course they were blaming each other. I said, no, 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 it's not that. It's, it's the pigs. It was horrible. And so imagine this father, right, embracing this son who, who knows the last time he had a bath. He stunk. And yet, that didn't matter to the father. Because his son was home. And in spite of all that he had done, he wanted him to know that he loved him. Nothing was going to change that. That's the love of a father, right? You love your kids and nothing's going to change that. That's the love of a heavenly father. He loves us and nothing's going to change that. This son had rehearsed in his mind what he was going to say when he got home. And he started to say it in verse 21, but the father didn't even let him finish. (laughs) Dad says, let's let's celebrate. Let's let's bring out the robe. Let's let's bring out the ring. Let's let's bring out the fattened calf. We need to celebrate. (laughs) My son has come home. The best robe belonged to the patriarch of the family. 
and was worn only on the most significant occasions. And so in the mind of the father, what was more significant than this? His rebellious son had come home and said, put that robe on him. On my son. Many believe the ring was the father's signet ring, which bore the family crest and was used to stamp the wax seal on documents to authenticate them. It signified that the father was was bestowing on this rebellious son the rights and privileges and authority of the father. Amazing. The fattened calf was reserved for the most special celebrations. And what greater reason could there be to celebrate? This is a time of rejoicing. My son that was dead is alive. He was lost. He's been found. Come on, everyone. Let's celebrate and rejoice. Now think about it. If the scribes and Pharisees were shocked at what the younger son did in rebelling against the father, they were even more shocked at what the father did for his rebellious son. They would have thought that everything the father did in this parable was shameful. So we look secondly then at the shameful, and I put that in quotes for a reason, the shameful reception of the father. Now if a son made the kind of request that this son did in the culture in which Jesus tells this parable, he likely would have received public shame by his father. He might have even been disinherited or possibly dismissed from the family and even considered dead for him to treat his father like he did in that culture. But the father not only didn't shame him when he asked for his share of the inheritance, he granted his son's request by dividing the wealth between his sons. One author says, instead of slapping him across the face for his insolence, like people would have expected, The father gave him what he wanted. And if a son as rebellious as this son returned home, he certainly would have been treated with such forgiveness and grace as this son was. One author describes it this way. He says, The scribes and Pharisees would have expected that if the son did return, The father, to maintain his own honor, would initially refuse to see him. Instead, he would make him sit in the village outside the gate of the family home for days in shame and disgrace. And when he did finally grant his son an audience, it would be a very cool reception as the son humbled himself before the father. He would be expected to tell his son what works he needed to perform to make full restitution before he could be reconciled as a son to his father. That's how the scribes and Pharisees would have seen it. They would have seen the reception of the father was shameful. This son did not deserve that. He had wasted that which his father had given him. Shameful. Scribes and Pharisees, they knew what justice was. But they didn't know what grace was. 
They didn't know what mercy was. That's why they couldn't understand the behavior of a father like the one that Jesus described. What father would ever do what this father did for a rebellious son? How shameful. That's how they viewed it. Aren't you glad that there is a father who will do what this father did for his son? It is the Heavenly Father who welcomes repentant sinners who come home and who receives them with open arms and restores them and forgives them and celebrates what a lost son has come home. I remember hearing the story about a young man who had rebelled and had left home and like this First son, he came to his senses and realized what he had done. And, and so he wrote a letter to his parents and he said, I'll be coming on this train and if you're willing to accept me, he said, put a sheet on the clothesline. And if the sheet is on the clothesline, he said, I'll know that I'm welcome home and I'll come home. But if there's no sheet on that line, he says, I understand. I don't deserve to be welcomed home. You know what that boy's mother did? She stripped every bed and took every sheet. She opened every drawer and found every sheet in the house. And when he came around the corner and was in that train coming down that track, he glanced over to where his home was and he saw the line full of sheets. As if to say, Son, you're welcome to come home. That's the gospel of Jesus, isn't it? He welcomes sinners. Welcomes those who have run from Him. Those who have been rebellious to Him. Those who are in no time for God. And they come to their senses and Jesus welcomes them. He welcomes them with open arms. Have you experienced that forgiveness? You know what it's like to be welcomed in the presence of a holy God because of the grace and mercy of Jesus? The Pharisees thought that was shameful. I think that's wonderful. That God receives repentant sinners. The third character we look at is the older son. And here we see the shameful reaction of the older son. The older son in the parable had been out in the field all day, working hard, but he comes home and, what's going on? What's happening here? And so he approaches the house, he hears music and dancing, and he calls one of the servants and says, what in the world's going on? And the servant says in verse 27, Your brother's come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now, how do you think the older brother is going to respond? How would most brothers, older brothers, respond today? You'd hope they'd say, Great. He's finally come home. He's finally come to his senses. Let's celebrate. But... That was not what happened here. Verse 28 says, but he became angry. 
He was not willing to go in. He was not going to celebrate that this boy has come home. In fact, he doesn't even acknowledge that it's his brother. He calls his brother this son of yours. Not my brother, but this son of yours. That's how angry he was. And so we get a little idea of of what kind of a person this older brother was. For years he had managed to hide his, his true feelings of resentment toward his father. But this event exposed his real attitude. He couldn't rejoice over the return of his lost brother because he had no love for the father. He failed to understand forgiveness and grace because he didn't think he needed it himself, did he? He is the epitome of self-righteousness. And notice how he describes himself. Verse 29. Look, Dad, for so many years I've been serving you. And I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. See, the older son didn't serve the father because he loved him, did he? All these things that he had done, it was not out of love. He felt as if his father owed him something. You owe this to me. I've done all these things for you, and you never gave me a party. But he was just as sinful and lost as his brother, wasn't he? Just as lost. In fact, you could make the argument that he was worse off than his brother. At least his brother realized he needed to repent. This older brother didn't think he needed to. Look at all the things I've done. Look what you owe me, Dad. That's the Pharisees and scribes who were listening to this parable. That's how they viewed God. They did all these things and God owed them something. Didn't really love Him, but serving because God owed them You can be sure that the scribes and Pharisees thought the response of the older son was was good. They, They would have applauded his reaction. Finally, they must have thought someone has righteous indignation over this son's shameful sin and over the father's shameful forgiveness. They would have seen the father's actions In the same way they saw Jesus' actions in associating with the tax collectors and sinners. Because that's that's the background of this parable. Go back to verse 1 and 2. They would have seen the Father's actions as a picture of Jesus and His willingness to love the tax collectors and sinners. If I was the Father... I would not have been happy with the older son, would you? I would be ready to shame him. And yet, look at the father's response. Interesting to notice how he responds to this older son after being treated so disrespectfully. Verse 31. He said to him, Son, 
You've always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Isn't that gracious? That father was so gracious to this son who was so self-righteous and so angry, would not celebrate that his brother had come home. And the father showed the same love to him as he showed to his younger brother. That's amazing. Both of them weren't very lovable, were they? The Father loved them. And you know what? You and I, we're not so lovable. God doesn't say, you know what? I want you on my team because you're so, you're so nice. You're so wonderful. It's not the way it is. No matter who we are, we don't deserve anything. God doesn't owe us anything. Nothing. But he willingly sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin. I find it very interesting to notice how this parable ends. We know what happened with the younger son's relationship to the father, don't we? He came. Came home. Repentant. He was restored. We don't know what happened to the older son. The parable just kind of abruptly ends. And we wonder, did the older son listen to the father? Did he repent of his anger and selfishness and self-righteousness? Did he come to the party? Did he celebrate? We don't know because the parable ends there. And Jesus must have had a reason for doing that. He must have had a reason for ending the parable in this way. He must have wanted the religious people to ponder what he said and how it applied to them. They needed to write the ending to the story based on their own lives. Would they continue to be angry with Jesus because he loves the tax collectors and sinners? Would they be angry with Jesus because He made it clear to them that they were just as lost? What would be the end of the parable? Which begs a question. How do you fit into this parable? What is the end of the story based on your life? Are you like the rebellious younger son who who needed to come home? Wandering far away from the Lord, but you need to come home today? Are you like that younger son? Or maybe you're like the religious older son. You know, the one that always did what was right. The one that could say, Dad, I've followed all of your wishes. You owe me something, don't you? Is that your heart today? Gaining favor with God because of all the things that you've done and, and you view it like, you know, if the good always the bad, you know, God's going to let me in. You're just as lost 
as a younger son. If that's how you view your relationship with God. If you have never repented of your sin and turned to Jesus, it's about time. It's about time. And he stands there with open arms ready to receive you. It's time to come home. Come home to Jesus. He will receive you with open arms as you come broken over your sin, recognizing your need for Him. That's the grace and mercy that the scribes and Pharisees did not understand. But it's such a wonderful, amazing thing that God would love us so much that He would welcome us home. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your love. Your love for the rebellious younger son. Your love for the self-righteous older son. Father, thank You that we can come to You this morning just as we are. Trusting in what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Broken before You. Acknowledging that we have no righteousness of our own. We have no other hope. But in you, Lord Jesus, may you do your work in our midst this morning for the honor and the glory and the praise of your name. In Jesus' name we ask.